Genesis chapter 45, verses uh, 3 to 8. Genesis 45, verses 3 to 8. This is where Joseph, uh, he, after all that he went through, all the mean things that his brother did to him, his brothers did to him, and all that he went through, he is... Um, he is the ruler over Egypt, and um, his brothers, he reveals himself to his brothers and speaks to them. And this is where we pick up in verse 3 of chapter 45. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near me. So they came near then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the fam famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay. When we read this passage, there's something that's really important that we can get from this. We, begin, we, we see in this how God works. This is one of the things, it gives us insight into the working of God. That some things in life can seem to be really bad and really evil. And there's no doubt, you know, for the things that happened to Joseph from the time he was 17 going forward, that, you know, until the time he became ruler of Egypt, that he got a really raw deal. His brothers hated him. He was falsely accused. He was put in prison, and a lot of bad things happened to him. And some would say, well, you know, here's a godly man. What is the point in being a godly man if all this garbage is going to happen to you? But in Romans chapter 8, verses 20, verse 28, it says, All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Joseph had no idea why all these things were happening. No idea. But he was faithful to God. And then you can hear, when Joseph speaks here to his brothers and reveals himself to his brothers, that now he understands. Because it wasn't you who sent me here, but God, so that we might save our family and save people from this great famine that God was sending upon the world. And... And he put him in charge and made him ruler over all of Egypt. Through all the horrible circumstances that he went through, look at the, you have to at some point look at the end of the story. And this is, look at, God sees the big picture. And we don't see that. Joseph didn't see it. We don't see that. So this is where faith comes in. That those who believe the message can have hope. If we don't meet, believe the message of the gospel... If we don't believe Jesus is the Christ, then any prayers and any hope in God is going to be disappointed in some point. Because 
it all, the whole message of the gospel and all the promises of God hinge on this one thing, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that the things that are said about him, the message concerning him is true. If we don't believe that, we haven't gotten the first base yet. We're, we're, we're still in complete ignorance. But when we get there to the place where we believe this message is true, then we build upon that message. We build upon that foundation of our faith. And so if we have that foundation, then we can build on it. If we don't have that foundation, then we must find it. <clears throat> Jesus said, seek and you will find. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If we seek after wisdom as though it were a hidden treasure, then we will find the knowledge of God. <clears throat> that treasure that's hidden in the field, we will find it. If we seek for it, we will find it. But many people in this world have given up on it. And they, and they fall into deception, into other gods, and into unbelief and hardness of heart because of disappointment. What if this happened to most of the people of this world? And this, bad things like this have happened to people of this world and worse than this. There's worse stories in the story of Joseph, of, of what happened to all the bad things his brothers did to him and how he was sold as a slave. There's more horrible. There's more horrible stories than that. But what do we do about it? There is a world full of people with broken hearts. Their their spirit is broken. They're broken down. Some of them reach for substances, alcohol, and substances, stuff like that, to try to ease that pain. The world is a broken, is full of broken hearts, and broken dreams, and broken hopes. It's full of that. But if we have faith in Jesus Christ, God has a plan to work it all out for good for all of us who know Him and love Him. And are called the cold of God. So if we have faith, then we have something to build on. If we have faith in Jesus that He is the Son of God. We have something to build on. And you see, we can look at each of our lives in two different ways. You know, Joseph could have looked at his life as, you know, look at all the good I've tried to do. I serve my father faithfully. And my 11 brothers, look what they did to me. What a raw deal I got for my brothers. And he could have become bitter at that. But this does not sound like a bitter man. And he went down and he was sold by his brothers as a slave. Imagine that, your own flesh and blood. Selling you to a bunch. They were going to kill him first. They were going to murder him. His one brother talked him out of it. They were going to kill him. So what they did instead is they sold him as a slave and they lied to their father. They brought him his robe and his blood from a from an animal all over and said, you know, this is, you know, look what happened to your son, you know. And brought great horror and grief on his father. But yet, all the grief and pain that Jacob went through, and in the end he found out his, his son wasn't killed. 
And so Joseph, he goes down to Egypt and is sold as a slave. Sold like a, like a cow. A slave to Egypt. And the man who hires him, you know, we all know the story, captain of the guard, and he sees that Joseph, God is with Joseph, and Joseph is a, a wise man, and he's, he's, he's serving him faithfully. And over the course of time, he just entrusts everything to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph maintained his integrity, and he maintained his walk with God. And he didn't let the evil that came upon him bring him down. And for his reward, he was falsely accused by his master's wife of, of, of assaulting her. Horribly. And thrown in prison for it. And he was in prison for several years. If you've never been in prison never been in jail it's it's a real eye it's a real awakening to be put in jail and to have the door the door slam on you and to be sitting there for a day a week a month a year many years you, you know he was in there for several years and again joseph could have said you know, here I am serving God faithfully to my master here in Egypt after I was sold wrongfully. And yet, again, he's not a bitter man. Because he serves the jailer in prison faithfully. What is going on with Joseph that he can do this? It's a very simple answer. Faith in God. That God had a plan. That this wasn't a hopeless mess and that, that he that even though his brothers and everybody else that was trying to harm him, it was all meant for evil, that God was going to work it out for the good. And nothing that happened could tear that down because he believed in, in the Lord. And so, he's in prison for several years. And finally, he's brought before Pharaoh and interprets the dream about the famine. And he's made ruler of Egypt. Finally, long last, after many years of, of wrongfully treated, he receives his reward. You know, God blesses him and he becomes ruler of Egypt. And not only that, but the dream comes true when his brothers bow down to him. Uh, in the dream that he, the brothers who hated him and sold him... Uh, they bowed down to him. And uh, we also read at the end of the book of Genesis, the last chapter, chapter 50. Uh, verses 18 to 20. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. 
So Joseph was very gracious to his brothers, very forgiving. He said, am I in the place of God? You have to deal with, you know, you have to repent before God. All this. This, is, this is between you and God. He says, but you can see that even though uh, he was wrong so, so wrongfully that he committed all that to the Lord and turned around and was gracious to his brothers. And you can see his insight. He says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as to this, this day to save many people alive. Joseph didn't know that. He knows it at this point, but he didn't know that way back when all these evil things were happening, when all these horrible trials were happening to him. Do you hear what it's saying there? You know, because that's the message to each of us. The Bible says these things are written to us for our learning. And for us to learn something from it that is for today. Not for the book of Ge- back in the book of Genesis, you know, thousands of years ago, but for us today. And it does mean something for us today. That everything that is going on in our life, that we don't see what the good is in it, but God does. But God does. And that's where we can have courage and hope. God knows what he's doing in our lives. And so, that's why as we go forward, and this is a kind of a review kind of a study today, that we have an opportunity as we look at our own lives and we begin to list things in our own lives in our own lives that we can apply that message to our own lives that God has a plan and we can say well I don't really know God some of us may not know God it doesn't matter God knows us he knows who we are and his plan if we're not saved and we're not walking with the Lord is to bring that about for us who have heard the message is, is a responsibility and a put upon us to believe it. When we hear the message, it is a put upon us to believe the message that we heard and not harden our hearts as many do. So from there we go to uh, uh, James chapter 1. And as we're turning there, remember some weeks ago we read from Second Chronicles chapter 20 the story of Jehoshaphat and how he heard a great army was coming against them. And then it says that God encouraged them through a prophet and then that they praised God and they sent the, the worshipers and the, and the musical players of the musical instruments in front of the army and they praised God. And, and then God gave them the victory without them having to lift a finger. And it says they rejoiced after that on their way home, too. They, we rejoice, God, the beginning of our trials, in the middle of our trials, all the way to the end, and after we have answers of prayer. Unfortunately, it, the natural way to do things is to thank God and to praise God and to rejoice at Him only after we get what we want or what we've been asking for. And to me, that's the ignorance of human nature and not the insight of the Holy Spirit. The insight of the Holy Spirit 
is teaching us to rejoice in the time of trial. In the beginning, in the middle of the trial, not just when God answers our prayer. Because if we don't, there may not be any, uh, the, the answer we desire. Uh, it says, uh, Deva, verses 2 to 4 there. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Mm-hmm. The word perfect can also be translated mature. Count it all joy, brothers, when you are fall into various trials. All joy. That means we're not counting any of it negative. Yes, those things may be negative circumstances, but we don't look at it as negative. Not any of it. All of it counted all joy. Rejoice in the Lord in our trials. Knowing, knowing, and this this is where faith comes in, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. Knowing that is different than hearing that. Knowing it and believing it is a step of faith. Knowing it is a step of faith. We know it. If we're not sure, then that's not faith. If we know that the testing of our faith is doing something good, then that's good. And you see that just as Joseph, God eventually revealed to Joseph the purpose of all the bad things that happened to him, you see, it's being revealed to us here. The reason why God allows what we naturally would see as negative things in our life to happen. Knowing that the testing of our faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work that we might be complete and mature and lacking nothing. As a Christian. As a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's what God's will is. And that's what God's aim is. And that's what God's purpose is. It's not for us just to hang in there and just go to church and just, you know, just be a guy. Just go through life and drift through life. God doesn't call us for that purpose. You know, to to just hang in there in life. God has much higher purposes for our life. For many, for the majority, they never come to that place. Why? Because they never come to a place of faith. They never come to believe the message. Or when they believe the message, they don't build upon it. And, And you say, well, what do you build upon it? You build upon it. Believing the promises of God. Growing, maturing, becoming complete and mature as a Christian. Building upon it so that we're not a baby Christian the rest of our life. And just needing, you know, like a baby needing to be be bottle fed and milk fed and nursed and everything else. That we grow up. It says the meat is for the mature. When you grow up you can eat meat. 
and you can eat solid food. But when you're an infant, you need milk. And so maturing in Christ is important. And to become like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his Son is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To become like Jesus. And how do we become like Jesus? What does God use to make us to become like Jesus? It's right here. We just read it. That the testing of your faith works patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may become complete and mature. Complete and mature and lacking nothing. Lacking nothing as a Christian. A grown-up Christian. A Christ-like Christian. I've heard many people in the world say, yeah, the reason I'm not a Christian, I know some Christians are like this and like that, you know, and they're not like Christ. I've been that way sometimes too. I still have days where I don't do everything right. And so do you. But the fact of the matter is, that's not an excuse. The fact of the matter is, is that for a Christian, a testimony is important that we grow up and, be, and become what God has called us to be. To be the light of the world as Jesus called us out to be. Let your light so shine before men. But if we're childish and immature as a Christian, that light's not going to shine as much. That light is going to be kind of tempered, shaded a little. So it's really important for us to grow up as a Christian, to be mature, and to shine our lights. <coughs> and when things aren't going right, have not have a woe is me attitude, have our knuckles dragging on the ground because we're so hung over and, and burdened with our the, the, the weight of our trials, carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. The Bible says, cast our burdens on the Lord because He cares about us. But do we believe He cares about us? Because if we don't believe that, if we don't understand that, then we don't really know a lot about God. Because God says He does. And He demonstrated by sending His Son into the world to give His life for us. That's how much He cares and loves us. And that, again, is the foundation that we build on, that God loves us, and that he cares about us, and he is who he says he is, and that he will reward us if we seek him to build and build and build upon the foundation of our faith. But say, well, I've been praying and nothing's happening. Okay. So what did Joseph see for many years? Ah, but Joseph's spirit was never broken. His faith was never broken because he knew that there was an end to his faith, that there was a reward for those who diligently sought him, that the promises of God will be fulfilled because God does not lie. And if God says something, he will do it if we believe it and persevere in it. Now some people think that's just nothing more than a crutch. It's nothing more than a sugar pill to keep people going. To those people, it's because they have no faith. They don't know God. They may think they do, but that's not the real God, the true God. The true God makes declarations. He spoke in times of old by his prophets, and these last times he's spoken to us through his Son. And so since he's spoken to us through his son, 
We should pay more careful attention to the things that we've heard, lest they drift away from us. Believe the message that God has a plan and he's working it out. Because if you don't, every negative thing you happen in your life, we're going to be a reactionary. And in my younger days, as a Christian, I was a reactionary. And when did things start to change for me? The reactionary stuff started to change for me when I began to understand God's purpose in the problems of life. That he's going to work it all out. And it's going to be for my benefit, not to tear me down, but to make me who he wants me to be. And that should give us great hope, and that should cause us to rejoice. So now it doesn't, if we understand all this, then it doesn't seem to be nuts to be uh, rejoicing in our trials. And to count it all joy and to praise God in our trials. And people will say to me, well, you don't know my trouble. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know my parents. You don't know my kids. Look at what my kids are doing. And all the others of you know, you don't know. What we need to know is the Word of God because it applies to each and every situation. God has this message is for every and all situation and for everybody in this, in this world. But it won't benefit everybody. This message will not benefit everybody. It'll benefit those who believe it. And believing it is not saying magic words, thinking magic things. It is believing the things that God has declared. God has a message. Believe it or not. It's, that's your decision. Believe it or don't. My decision is for me. I can't make that decision for you, anybody else. We must each make that decision whether to believe the word or not. And some will say, well, I'm not sure. But you know what? Many of those people say, I'm not sure if this is true. They don't take the time of day. They're too busy with their life to ever seek, to find. There's no drive, there's no hunger in their hearts to find the truth. And to those who say, well, then may God reach out to you. And put that hunger in your heart to know Him and to seek after Him. Because if you seek for Him with all your heart, then He will reveal Himself to you. You will seek for Me and you will find Me when you seek for Me with all of your heart. They say, well, some will say I'm too busy for all that. Well, then you will continue in ignorance. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance 
incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice now, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. In this in this passage, it says that the genuineness, where the testing or trying of your faith, is being much more precious than gold that perishes. You know all those negative things that happened to Joseph. It says right here that things like that are more precious than gold that perishes. Why? Because with this is the understanding what we read in the book of James. That it's precious because it's God's tools and God's purpose and God's way of causing us to be what he wants us to be. But it's God will bring those trials in every person's life. But we have seen people who have professed Christ but when these trials came, their faith suffered shipwreck. Paul talked about some of them. We know some of them. We pray for God to recover them. And we believe he will. But at the same time, the reason why their faith suffered shipwreck is because they didn't look at it this way. They didn't look at their problems as precious. They didn't look at it through spiritual eyes. So, what about us? What is the trials doing to us in our life? Are they making us better or bitter? I've seen a, a sign one time somewhere in a church that said, let your trials make you better, not bitter. And this is how, through faith. Believing in God's purpose, in God's message, Concerning all this. It says in verse 6. We rejoice greatly in our salvation. Although. Now for a little while. If necessary. You have been distressed or grieved by various trials. If necessary. Now we can look at some other Christians life. And say oh, how come they're not going through what I'm going through. How come that family's not going through what we're going through? How come this and that and the other thing is not going on with others? We can't look at it that way. We can't compare ourselves to others that way. The Bible says it's not wise. What we have to look at is that the words, if necessary. God is the one who decides what and if things are necessary. 
if things are necessary and what things are necessary. And so, if we are the children of God, we believe that God's working all this out. If we believe that, we will grow from it. And we continue to believe, we will continue to grow. When we stop believing that, we'll start going backwards. And that's how people's faith begins to suffer shipwreck. Is when we begin to look at our trials through a carnal point of view, through problems in life, whatever they may be, through a carnal point of view. The ship begins, just like Peter, the sea, he begins to go down in the sea because he sees the trials, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. When we take our eyes off of God's purpose, then we begin to sink. And where is, the, where is the light preserver being thrown to us? Right in this message. If necessary, God is allowing and bringing th- certain things into our life to test our faith. If it's real or not. It says it's more precious than gold and perishes. The reason for the fire to refine gold is to get the real gold from the fake stuff, the impurities. So whatever's left is just the real stuff. The trials revealed what's really in our heart. I have known many a person who have professed Christ, who professed they were having faith in God in their trials, and one day, boom, just like that, they're saying the complete opposite. And for some, they stopped following the Lord. Some of them we've seen recover. Some of them are still down that road. And like I said, we're praying for them. What happened? They allowed their trials to break them because they had a carnal point of view, a worldly point of view. And they lost sight of the vision that God has given us. That He is at work in our lives You see, when we become a Christian, he puts his spirit inside of us. But there's a lot of things that need to change in our attitudes, in the way we live, our habits. A lot of stuff needs to change. You know, our stinky attitude towards those who wrong us, to somebody who does something that we don't like, our our attitude towards authority. (laughs) I could go on and on just talking about things I went through. Our attitude towards right and wrong. There's a lot of things God needs to deal with us with. And he will bring that knowledge to us. But bringing that knowledge to us is not enough. He begins to bring circumstances in our life to get our attention. To humble us. And also to stop going down those roads. And to change and to become who he wants us to be, to allow the Spirit of God to change our lives, to change our hearts, to change our attitude, to change our viewpoint. To what? Be like Jesus. said, Peter says, though it be tested by fire. Later on, in 
First Peter chapter 4, it says, Don't think it's strange, brothers, about the fiery trials that are about to test you. Fiery trials, not just easy stuff, not just little stuff. When you think of a fiery trial, you think of something pretty difficult, pretty intense, pretty, pretty problematic. And it says the same things are happening to you brothers throughout the world. It's not just you that's going through it. We're all being tested. All of us in Christ are being tested. People in the world are being tested too. Because the message is going out in all the world. But to those who don't believe it, the test is, are you going to believe this or aren't you? Because there's a day of, of reckoning when God will call into account all of all of his subjects, all those he created, all people, will have their, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, is the message. And only those, as Jesus said, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Those who continue in Christ, the names written in the Lamb's book of life. From there we go to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9, and 10, verse 8 to 10, sorry. <laughs> For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Mm -hmm. Same message, isn't it? This message is all over the Bible. A message of God's purpose. And here was Paul, an apostle of Jesus, and his traveling companions with him, and other disciples of Jesus, other Christians. And he said that God brought severe trials, fiery trials to them. He said, so, he says some that we thought we were going to die. He said, the reason is this, that we would learn in these problems to trust not in ourselves, in our own strength, in our own power, in our own wisdom, in our own way, in our own will, but trust in God who raises the dead. Putting our faith in the power of God, as we read in the last passage, that we're kept by the power of God through faith. It is through faith that the power of God preserves us. And there's a message here. says, this stuff happened to us. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, does deliver us, and whom we trust that he still will deliver us. Until God's purposes are done. Because we're all going to leave this earth at one point. And Paul did. According to history, um, 
Paul was executed by uh, the Roman Caesar eventually, Roman Emperor eventually, one of the Roman emperors eventually. He was, according to history, he was beheaded. But not until his work was done and God's purposes were done for him. John the Baptist, when he was in prison, or actually before he went to prison, he said, <clears throat> this John the Baptist's disciples came to him and said, Behold, all the people are coming to you, now they're going to him, to Jesus. And he said, <clears throat> um, He must increase, and I must decrease. And shortly after that, John the Baptist was put in prison. And eventually he was beheaded. John the Baptist's time was done. God's purposes for the calling of John the Baptist was done. His life was done. His time had gone on to be with the Lord. But with Paul, his ministry continued for many years before the, the, the time when he was executed. But the end of John the Baptist's ministry was the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And you see God's purposes continuing. But here we read the words, God delivered us from so great a death. He is delivering. And he would trust he will deliver us. Past, present, and future. Until God's will is done. Like it was for Paul. Till the time had come. Romans chapter 5. And this is the last one I have. Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation, tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Mm-hmm. We glory in our tribulations. Is that who we are today? Are we glorying in our tribulations? Yeah, in all the things that we talked about that are negative. Are we rejoicing in those things? Glorying in our tribulations. And some would say, well, some of those tribulations are pretty bad. Well, that's not the point. The point is, are we rejoicing in Christ Jesus in our tribulations? Christian, could you put them down, please, before you have an accident? Thank you. So, that's the question. Today, are we rejoicing and standing and rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God and glorying in our tribulations? First, it talks about in this passage with having peace with with God. And that's where foundation starts. The foundation of our faith is Believing the message and having peace with God. That he's forgiven us of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we don't have that, we haven't gotten to square one. This is where it starts for the the people 
you know, for, for mankind. This is where it starts, having peace with God. Because if we have peace with God, there's no peace, there's no peace in our hearts until we're delivered uh, from, the, from the judgment against us because we're sinners and we've sinned. But when we put faith in the message of the cross that Jesus died for us, that he gave his life for us, we believe that message, and we accept him as the Lord of our life, and we believe on him, and we respond in faith to his message, we make peace with God, we repent of our sins, and we make peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, it says we rejoice in that, and also, we rejoice, and not only that, there's more, we build on that. But we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. Well, the word for perseverance is patience or endurance. Just like it says in the book of James. We read it all over the scriptures that this message about life and its problems have purpose. So why do we complain about our problems? Why do we grumble about our circumstances. When things go wrong, why does it make us angry? Why do we lash out at others? Because we forget this simple message that gives us peace. That we should rejoice at all times. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice evermore. At all, at all, that means... Rejoicing at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4, chapter 4. Rejoicing at all times. Again, if we don't understand what that means, that seems a little crazy. Rejoicing at all times when... Evil is in the process of happening. But the things that are meant to take us down in the natural, God is going to use them for the good if we just trust Him through it. Count it all joy, brothers, when you go through various trials. You know, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation works perseverance, patience. In both of these passages, both in Romans 5 and in James chapter 1, it says knowing. Because if we don't know it, if we don't believe it, if we know something, we believe it. We know it in our hearts. We believe it in our hearts. And if we believe it in our hearts, it'll work out for our good. If we trust God, it'll be for our good. If we don't trust God, we don't believe Him, then it's gonna, we're just going to be on that merry-go-round of our trials not helping us to grow up as a Christian and be and not being the person that God has made us, informed us, and called us to be. <clears throat> That's what I have today. Uh, Dave, if you want to comment on any of that, you're welcome to join in. <coughs>